Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the world of automotive innovation, BMW aims to push their boundaries and redefine what it means to drive in style. And today we're going to dive headfirst into one of the most anticipated releases so far this year, and that is the electric BMW i5. Our friend you, Kyle here. Yeah. Did you get that text from like the BMW Marketing 101 Twitter page? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they texted me. I'm just following orders. <laughs> okay. That was really funny. Um, yeah. So we have Kyle here today who's able to speak to how he took the BMW i5 out on the roads of Portugal of all places. And we're going to dive into his his experience here, talk about the I-5 and other, you know, tangential topics, I'm sure. But welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie. Like I said, we're joined by Kyle today. So Kyle, thanks for hopping on again. It is the first days of autumn. How are you doing in the beginnings of October? Good. Ready to drive. As we car enthusiasts say, it's turbo weather. As it gets colder, you get more air density, more power, better thermal longevity. So this is where you can make some power driving turbocharged cars. Today, we're not talking about turbocharged cars. We're talking about electric cars, which also do benefit from colder temperatures with better thermal longevity when driving quickly. Um, but we're talking 5 Series, which isn't really a performance car. Uh, but we are going to get into everything I learned about the 5 Series. I've also prepared some of the presentations BMW made for journalists because nowhere on there does it say I can't share them with you. So I'm going to share them with you and tell you what I've learned. And, and not every slide because there's hundreds of, of slides. Um, but I think even before we get into that, maybe I should talk about why I even went to Portugal to drive the i5. Um, it's a huge time commitment to do these, especially overseas first drive programs. And, you know, from, from my side, it's like four or five days to get one video or two videos. And we have to produce multiple videos every day across the network. So it's like, 
I really only try and choose them for super important cars. It's a huge, like I said, time commitment, but the benefit of being able to drive it over there, A, we're on the first wave of the drive, so we're able to get an early video out, which is always great. And two, most importantly for me is you meet the people who made the car. And so there are a few cars you'll find like journalists will kind of get to really know and know that brand and fully understand it. And like we do a lot of stuff, for example, with Volkswagen or Mercedes and BMW, but maybe a, some less projects with like Cadillac or Chevy. And we still are invited to the first drives there. It's just how each brand uh, arranges them. But BMW and most of the German brands bring the actual engineers who made the thing. So I got to nerd out with engineers for four days in Portugal, which was amazing because most of the other journalists just wanted to go explore and look at restaurants and stuff. And I'm like, no, let's talk the aerodynamic profile under the rear diffuser of the I-5. And the engineers were just having a blast and we, we really had a great time. So that's why I took the time to go and drive this car. And I produced a one hour long first drive video on out-of-spec reviews. It's already up. Uh, it's performing really well for our relatively small EV-focused channel, so I encourage you to check it out. And uh, yeah, we're thrilled with the response so far. Yeah, that was a, a great video. You really dived into the specs, of course, all that engineering tech stuff that you love. You took it out on the road, and then not only did you drive the i5, is it the E-Drive 40, but also the i5 M60, right? So you got a feel of not only the you know, maybe more of a daily driver, but also a sporty, spicy mix in there as well. Yep, totally. So there's two. So first of all, five series, you guys got to, you know, come to this video after you've watched the reviews video is how it really should work. But they're also going to offer combustion, diesel, plug in hybrid and battery electric all on this new platform. And maybe I can actually share with you some informations. So this is the new 5 Series, and um, they will also have a Touring model coming. I was actually really bummed because they allowed some media to get a sneak preview of the Touring, um, but I was out driving when that happened. So I totally mm -hmm. did not see it. I really wanted to see it, and there's nothing you can, you know, it's fully embargoed. You can't talk about it, but I never saw it. Um, so I, I don't know, but it, it probably is awesome, would be my guess, because any wagon's better than a sedan. So, um, yeah, I was really thrilled uh, that they at least have confirmed they're making an electric I-5 Touring. And I guess I did get to see one in Germany testing. I saw a camouflaged one at a charging station mm -hmm. and I talked to the guy driving. He's like, ah, it's epic. So that was cool. Oh, very cool. Um, yep. Yeah. So first off, maybe we can just go into a brief overview of the specs of the I-5 that you did drive. Um, yep. So the two versions that I was able to drive, I'm just trying to see if I can find some information on it. Here we go. I drove the i5 E-Drive 40 and the M60. So you can see here on this presentation, if you're a, a video watcher, you can see this is the combustion vehicle, uh, you know, layout of suspension components and everything. This is the electric. This one's the electric version. A lot going on here. Extra bracing battery pack in the floor and they use the same battery pack for every version of the electric five series there's no big battery or small battery it's just one 
I would say smaller than expected battery. It's 81, just over 81 kilowatt hours, which is not that much. Like a Model 3 has a bigger battery than that in terms of gross capacity. Um, this is 81 usable. I think Model 3 is like 78 usable, somewhere around there. So it's also a much bigger car. So it's like a surprisingly small battery. But then I actually met the guy who's responsible for BMW efficient dynamics and all the efficiency stuff. And he's like, no, like this thing can do just about 300 miles on a charge. Um, actually the range, the EPA range figures are 295 as the maximum. That's the rear wheel drive, E drive 40 with the arrow wheels. And then it goes all the way down to 240 miles of range. If you get an M60 with the big boy wheels. And so that makes sense. Nothing unusual there really. 240 miles certainly is not much, especially if you're getting, you know, the expensive car. I wish they had a bigger battery option there. Um, but right. but I actually think it's going to be fine for most people because of the charging. So again, E-Drive 40 rear wheel drive and M60 dual motor all wheel drive were the two versions that I drove. Um, it's a two second zero to 60 difference between the two. So the rear wheel drive uh, version, the E-Drive 40 is 5.7 seconds, zero to 60 goes down to 3.7 seconds, zero to 60 in the i5 M60, which is $84,100. I just have to put this into context because I've been browsing the BMW forums and there's actually a lot of questions about like i5 M60 versus Model S Plaid. Um, and your dad just bought a Model S Plaid two days ago. I own a Model S Plaid. They are so cheap right now um, for what you get. They're literally... 89 grand, which is like a mid-spec i5 M60, and it has 1,020 horsepower. So if you're in the market for straight-line acceleration, this car is just out value for dollar instantly. But there's so many other things that make the BMW better, or at least different, where some people may not want to go for a Tesla. Right. I mean, your overall impression did seem to be a bit positive, but I'd also, before we get into that, um, so this was an EV that was built as an EV, but also built that it could be converted into an ICE, right? Which is an interesting approach. Why well, do you that's think what BMW says, yes. Mm -hmm. oh, and you, I think we talked about that in the last podcast, we talked about the I-7, where you were also like, that's what they say, but why aren't you convinced that that was their approach? Well, because you have to design like a combustion car is so complicated. And if you look, if it was designed as an EV first, well, you wouldn't have a drivetrain hump and all these other things in there. Um, and so, yeah, no, it, it was designed with all powertrain choices in mind, I think is the best way for BMW to con convey that. They were just trying to be like, oh, it's an EV, but we slapped a gas engine in it occasionally. I'm like, it's not really that way. But it is an amazing car. So um, yeah, just back on the specs really quick. I just want to show the viewers a couple more slides on this presentation. If I come through, you can see here some of the uh, suspension control strategy that they have. Um, really cool um, how they actually have these adaptive dampers and everything. They also have a completely disconnecting um, front sway bar, if you will, in the M60, which is cool. Lots of great driver mm -hmm. assistance. I showed some of this during my drive. It actually has um, traffic light control. It has uh, visual eye tracking now to indicate lane changes. So if a lane mm -hmm. opens to the left of you, you can look over and go. That will also come to iX, i7, and other BMW models. So just lots of cool stuff going on here. And there were some things I didn't really touch on in the review that I wanted to, at least here in this podcast. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, one thing you you did touch on in the review is that, I mean, you drove a specific trim, but that the trims that they provide, you're suggesting that they add one more. Could you tell me a bit about that and why you think that that would be a smart decision? Yes. So um, essentially, the 5 Series comes in two flavors that are electric. Again, the standard rear wheel drive and then the spicy M60. But I think they need the equivalent to a long range all wheel drive, a non-performance oriented dual motor system. And uh, I'm sure they will come out with this because they've done the same thing with i4 where they launched rear wheel drive or i4 M50. And then they launched the X drive 40 a year after start of production. I think they're going to do the same thing with the five series. And I'm surprised they didn't do that at launch because that's going to be the volume model. Um, because at least in the Northeast here in Colorado, people aren't buying an electric car to be sporty. They just need a comfortable daily cruiser that also works when there's snow on the ground. And that's like, I think the 70% of the market for the Northern part of the U S. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so depending on which, uh, you know, the M60 or the I five E drive 40, you described them as well, first off that they do waft, use that word, they waft. So they are comfortable um, and also like quite quality. Um, can you speak to a bit of the, especially considering the EV space, the route planning? I saw that you had a little trouble in the video, but the software integrations that they have in this, can you speak to that a little and how, what was, you know, successful and maybe what needs a bit more tweaking? Well, so they launched with the i5, which will also come to the other cars, some of which through an over-the-air software update, some based on build date won't get it. Um, I think BMW really struggles in the software department. Um, you know, I sat into Critical TechWorks, which is like their Portuguese-based technology center. They do all of their in-car gaming stuff there. They do um, some navigation-related things and my impression of the whole experience was just how far behind they are from a software perspective than honestly, even Mercedes and all, especially Rivian and Tesla. Like I know all the software guys at Rivian really well. And like I had asked for a change in one of our videos and then two weeks later, boom, software update came with that change. BMW could never do anything like that. So I was just really honestly disappointed as to the in-car experience, the, the, the thoughtfulness to software second rather than software first. And um, yes, they have made some improvements to iDrive 8.5, but it's nowhere near as refined or polished as it should be. And the over-the-air updates, just speaking to friends who own BMWs, do not come regularly and they're not super well packaged or baked or really do anything meaningful. So 8.5 has a new home screen, which is now the map, which, which makes total sense because that's the most important thing, especially in an electric car to know where chargers are and everything. Then uh, they also have redesigned the climate control page and they have improved the route planning. But I got to tell you, in my experience, the route planning was really poor. Very poor. First of all, BMW had all of them turned off on the cars. So I first get in and I'm like, it can't route plan at all. Like, what is this? And then like, you know, six menus deep or something like that. It's really only like two or three menus deep. You can go and you have to actually turn on EV charging route guidance or whatever it says. And so then I was like, oh, cool. Let's put in Munich. And it took, I mean, it's all in the video review. It took like three minutes for it to calculate it out. And then when I hit sure, let's go. It 
it lost all the chargers. <laughs> and I was like, what, what are you doing? It just was not good. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like they have locked that in quite yet. Um, I did notice though, it, it did have some information about, you know, your state of charge upon arrival, that kind of thing, but still maybe that was not optimized. Um, but you know, the abil ability, of course, to precondition the battery. And then you also dove into this one pedal driving that you can switch to. And give me a bit of insight into why this matters with an EV. Yeah. Why would you make okay, that an so option? Before we get into the one pedal drive, just one last point on the route planning. BMW got something so right with the route planning. And that is that you're able to adjust the state of charge that you want to get to a charger with separately from your destination. And so Tesla, you can't choose any of that. So what I can say is as an EV nerd, out of spec level driving, I wanna to get to a charger dead. I wanna take advantage of the best charging performance possible. And I wanna talk about the charging performance of the i5 specifically here in a moment. Um, and so the system I can say like, get me to a charger at 5% or 3%, I forget what the lowest is. But when I get to my destination, leave 20% in the battery. So it'll let me charge a little bit more before I get there. And so That's I think cool customization, yes, really cool, really smart. So it shows that like someone who did this drove an electric car on a trip somewhere and was mm -hmm. like, these are important. It's like, yes, finally. Um, but then in practice, like on a long enough journey, like the route planner had all these problems on 2000 kilometers. If I had put in like a 600 kilometer trip or 800 kilometer trip, it probably could have handled it much easier. But um, like it should still be able to do the longest trips possible. So I really think they have to improve the speed of route planning as well as the charger selections. Um, but overall, the the options and the adjustability make a lot of sense. Now to the one pedal driving, um, every BMW works this way where it's in drive. It will feel just like a normal automatic transmission. It'll creep forwards. And when you put it in B mode, it does one pedal driving, which is anyone watching this podcast knows what one pedal driving is, but you lift off the car comes to a stop. But the way that it's tuned is textbook perfect. That's the thing that the i5 does better than almost any electric car other than maybe the i7 is the low speed calibration, the tuning of the car. You can just tell like 500 people named Klaus work on every single lit, little bit of this user experience. And you truly don't get that from non-German automakers. I mean, it's really the perfect deceleration rate to zero. The brake pedal blending was the best I've ever experienced in an electric car. There are better brake pedals in EVs, the ones that don't do brake blending, but this one, you know, controlling regen into friction brakes was stellar and it's tuned just a bit sharper than the seven. And it was really cool. So that was, that was really the fun part about being in Portugal and talking to the engineers. I was like, okay, so did you stiffen up the bushing on the lower control arm or whatever it was here in this situation? They're like, yeah, it's 30% stiffer than the base car. And then I was like, okay, you tell me the brake pedal are the same as the seven, but it's definitely sharper. And they're like, ah, yeah, the tuning on the five is just juiced up a little bit. And I'm like, this is awesome. All these little changes that we're able to experience. And the fact that they focus on these little changes where most non-German automakers do not get this nerdy about the little topics. And that's where the money goes when you buy a BMW, when you buy a Mercedes or an Audi. They just obsess over the small details. It's a, yeah, good obsession. And it is so cool that you get these opportunities to speak to these folks who have put a lot of passion and hopefully a lot of work and thought 
like you said, hopefully been on EV road trips, really taking that perspective in when they're designing these EVs. And you mentioned the charging performance of the i5. I'd love for you to dive into that. I know you said you tried to route plan to get to charging. Were you actually able to charge it or is this more information that you gathered from speaking to the experts there? No, I didn't do any charging, but I did want to pull up this graph because BMW is the only automaker who shares charging performances. So let's see if I can find it. So this is all on the plug-in hybrids. Maybe, oh yeah, here we go. Okay, so this is really cool. They compared the i3 to the iX and then the i5 in terms of charging performance. Um, and they talked about their different charging strategies. And this is what I'm like, hell yes, this is why I came because it's really cool to talk to the charging people about this stuff. So BMW i3, I've owned three of them. They just, you know, constant current, constant voltage. What that means is it's requesting 125 amps or whatever it is. And as the battery pack increases in voltage, as it gains state of charge, you'll gain, you know, charging power. So it peaks at like 75% or something like this. The IX was a rudimentary, uh, they call it multi-step constant current charging. What that means is based on the state of charge that you're at, and of course the temperature of the battery pack, it targets preset amperage requests. And you can see that where it, you know, it will dip down and then it actually creeps up a little bit as the pack gains some state of charge and gains some voltage. And then it comes off another ledge and it comes back up. And it's a really rudimentary way of doing uh, a charging curve, I would say, because you're leaving some room on the table. The cells can handle more if you just keep them at, at max voltage. And that's what they've done with the i5 and actually the i7 as well, is they have this really nice, rounded, smooth charging curve. That's what I like to see when I'm looking at charging curves, is this nice, consistent, smooth, no baked-in ledges for no reason. Of course, the car will derate if it gets hot or if it's too cold, or if there's a charging station malfunction. But the in, under normal operating conditions, this is what the car targets, this nice smooth curve. Beyond that, I also learned a little bit more about the preconditioning logic of the i5 and actually the i7, which is, you know, it's interesting because they allow, they have a couple settings which are interesting while charging. The first is the max fan speed, which is like, why would you care about the fan speed in your car while charging? And it really comes down to noise regulations in certain markets where like Japan at night, you can't have the car making a lot of noise. And so they actually can have you turn off some of the cooling systems and it reduces the noise, but will just derate when the battery pack gets hot charging performance. So that's fascinating. I would leave it to unrestricted. I want the most amount of cooling possible. So that's just my recommendation. The next uh, option, of course, is battery preconditioning, which when you put a destination in the navigation, I got two different answers from BMW. The first said, we always target 25 degrees Celsius average battery temperature, no matter the preconditioning request. That was from like the efficiency dynamics guy who would kind of know. And then I also spoke to another representative who I'm not sure what their job title was, but I said, will you adjust the battery temperature preconditioning uh, based off of arrival state of charge and expected time of charge. So it, in, for example, we've shown this with Tycon a bunch. If you get to a charging station at 50% state of charge, which is not optimized, but sometimes the chargers aren't spaced perfectly, let's just say, 
you really want the battery pack warmer if you're getting there at higher state of charge so you can top charge with less resistance. Conversely, if you get at very low state of charge, you don't need the battery pack very warm. And when you plug in and get max charging speed, it will actively heat up the battery, just the act of charging, so that by the time you are at 50, 60, 70% state of charge, it's already warm. And so the car can know this and change the arrival temperature in the battery pack to give you the best possible charging situation when you arrive. And they said, yes, it does that. But then the other guy said, no, it doesn't do that. So I'm not sure. We'll have to get it to the US and see if we can pull some CAN data on the car when we when we get it to do all these things. So, uh, and sorry to ramble, but this is why I went to this event. It's all fascinating stuff. There's also a manual preconditioning setting that does not look at when you're getting to a charger or not. It's just like, let's say you're heading to a charger that's not on the map. Uh, if you, you know, for example, in our case, if we're heading to a testing facility that's not publicly available that has a DC charger, we might say, hey, warm up the car. That setting, pretty much everyone agreed, just targets 25 degrees Celsius average battery temperature. And now with software 8.5, it will tell you how long it's going to take to get to 25 degrees Celsius. So that's going to be cool. I hope we get one of these in the winter time to review, but I think it's going to be early next year or something like that for us to play around with it. Next is actually the way they do their charging curve on the i5 is totally different than any BMW we've seen. And this logic will actually come to the i7, not confirmed on the i5, on the iX, but to the i7 as an over the air update. So what it's going to do is it's gonna pull a little bit of like a Mustang Mach-E situation where it says, okay, you don't have to get to a charger at 5%, 10%, fully warmed up. If you arrive at 30% or even 50% state of charge, we'll let you get a big juicy hit and then derate after, I don't know how many seconds, 200 seconds, 300 seconds. I typically don't like to see charging curves like this because it shows me that there must be something that gets hot, which is why there's a, a time limitation. However, um, the BMW engineers, they didn't really have the guys who did like the actual charge curve tuning there. I didn't really get an answer as to why you wouldn't just always pull max speed later. And they kind of said this is a really conservative graph just to show this boost technology. But what it means is if you're on a road trip and you plug in at 20%, 30%, you didn't go out of spec style down to zero, you'll still get a significant amount of time and a big boost at high charging power. And then it will derate eventually down to the normal charging curve. The F-150 Lightning does this, the Mach-E does this, but they do it because their components get hot and they can only run them for a certain period of time at certain current. I'm not sure what the logic is here, um, but I think it's actually going to lead to a better customer experience because more of the time they'll be seeing high charging power numbers. And uh, when they plug in, that's just a good feeling, I think. That's a good point on top of, you know, the customer experience, just the psychology of it. But the, you know, they're really fine tuning a lot of these aspects that are going to give the EV driver a better experience. And you've mentioned temperature a lot so far. Um, and speaking of or is there something else that you want to touch on before I move to the M60? All right. Yeah. So it's not only is it spicy, but you did mention a bit of an overheating instance when you were driving it so can you speak to that a little bit yes i can and i'm actually going to pull up some more slides to discuss some of these things as well so here you can see all of the combustion cars mm -hmm. 
Then they have their plug-in hybrid, which has a 19.4 kilowatt hour battery pack, 145 kilowatt output pre-transmission. It's going to be spicy. It's going to be cool. I'm excited mm -hmm. for trying that one out. We are not getting it in the U.S., sadly. And then here is the um, i what am I trying to say? I5 M60. Right. You can see two electric motors, juicier motor in the back, um, another motor up front, which is great. They are externally excited synchronous motors, similar to an induction motor. There are some differences, but it means that they don't need a clutch disconnect for efficiency and really nice units, six phase in the rear of these things, which is just epic. And um, they can do 250 kilometers an hour in the I7 M70 but only 230, I think, in the i5 M60, which was a bit of a shame because I'm like, just let the thing do 155 miles an hour. Um, but anyway, uh, when I was driving it hard in the canyons, which I don't even think I was being that hard on it. Yeah, I was giving it some wide open hits coming out of corners a little sideways, but not for like a really long time. Um, it derated and cut power, you know, 40% of power just went away. And then, you know, I backed off a little bit and it recovered very quickly, but I'd never seen that from a BMW engineer or for, sorry, from a BMW car. I spoke hmm. to the engineers about this they said they would follow up with me and tell me exactly what happened. They were pulling the data off the car. I showed them the video and everything. They're like, wow, we've never seen this. Uh, I, I mean, on the public roads, really. I, I really feel like I wasn't driving it as hard as I would have on a track, of course. Um, but they said it's very unusual for the car to derate like that. They said they went through a hard mountain drive before the launch and like, we're just shredding them and they didn't see this. So they thought maybe it was a specific issue with the car or mm. maybe it wasn't getting the right cooling power. I don't know what it would be, but yeah, it derated on me for a couple seconds, you know, maybe a minute. And then it, after I backed off, it cooled off, but it's all in the, the review. Huh. So not that big of an instance, but it was, mysteriously unique apparently according to the engineers which is yeah so i spoke to the head of powertrain on the car and he's just like there's like that's not really possible and i'm like well here's the video and he's like wow i i hadn't seen that so um not sure yeah. really don't have an answer on that one um, bmw said they'll try and track down an answer but they haven't gotten back to me and it's not it's not really that big of a deal it's not like a huge um you know customer representative right. thing i don't think I don't think I5 M60 owners are really going out for track days or driving them hard, but regardless, you put an M badge on a car, it's got to do M stuff. And uh, in this case, it didn't really have the thermal longevity I was expecting the car to have. Right. And uh, you might hear a barking dog in the background. Yeah, um, But I'd like to ask, you know, do you think that this is the best that bmw has done so far with an ev how does it compare to the other series where does it yeah. sit in the lineup well certainly it's not the top car that's i7 ix i think have a lot of cool bigger battery tech stuff but you can tell that with each model they're releasing they're fine-tuning all of these little things the charging curve the efficiency the way certain modes work like max range mode etc etc so it's really cool to see them dial in everything however with that said bmw is not doing a good job of communicating to customers what updated features especially through software will come to previous bmw electric models like ix like earlier i7 and i think they need to do a better job of that in my impression just saying hey we made these changes 
to I-5. We're going to update your cars. It'll come at this date. You can expect the update process to go here. And they're just not doing that. Uh, but but for sure, they've taken you know everything they learned from IX and I-7 and just dialed it in. You can definitely tell. Um, there was really only one major problem I had with the car, and that was the noise performance from inside. It was just really loud cruising down the highway uh, and like louder than expected. So I'm really surprised that they let it leave. And I drove in three different I-5s where I felt this way as well. And um, talking to the engineers again, I'm like, so what's different between I-7 and I-5? And they're like, well, it's a cheaper car. We had to take cost out of it. The glazing isn't the same level of glazing. The double pane isn't the same. There's a single pane glass on the I-5. And they're like, yeah, they, it, you know, it's not a seven series, but I'm also like, I don't think this is a five series in terms of noise. Like if this was I four, I'd be okay with it, but um, it needs to be a little bit quieter. Hopefully for the mid cycle refresh, BMW calls it LCI. They can dial in the noise a bit. So not, not a huge complaint, but I did. Yeah. I did notice that you, uh, that along, along with the frunk, you were a bit disappointed with the frunk and uh, the, well, there is no frunk. Exactly. Yes. The lack thereof, I mean, and, um, and then the wind noise, maybe some improvements with, or not maybe, but improvements with the software, but overall you seem to enjoy your trip out to Lisbon, uh, to hang out with BMW for a bit. And, uh, do you have anything else that you want to share on your trip out there? Uh, no, I think it's cool. I think they said that like the majority of um, I-4 drivers actually match WLTP rated range. That's what they're showing here in this graph. I thought that was pretty fascinating. They say that the I-5 is actually more efficient than the I-4. So it really shows some of those learnings coming in as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was pretty fascinating that they made a much bigger car, much more efficient. And so just small improvements everywhere. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, the aero profile of the car, I, I spent a lot of time with the head aero dude. He's like, we spent months underneath the car channeling air around places. And he's like, no one's ever going to see it, but it's like so much effort went into it. And so I think overall, like when you buy this car, the impression that I have is someone thought about every little scenario that the car could get into every little piece, every touch point, every chassis setup situation and have completely dialed it in for the intended purpose. I'm not gonna say if you're coming into this wanting the quietest, most comfortable executive sedan, it's not set up for that. That's the i7. If you're coming into this wanting a back road shredder, no, it's not set up for that. That's gonna be you know, an M5 or really an M3 or something like that. But if you want like a great compromise of everything that a car has to do and really with with really good, you know, competency in almost every area, that's this car. It's not the fastest thing in the world. It's not the best handling. It's not the most comfortable. It's not really amazing in any category, but it's just so good at the total vehicle package. And I actually think the pricing is better than expected. 60 something thousand dollars starting price in the US is pretty amazing. 66,800. This is a $70,000 driving experience all day. Now, 90% of them are going to be over 70 grand because of options and, and features and things like that. But great driver assistance, unbelievable suspension tuning for what the car has to do. Amazing drivetrain, great comfort in the car. You can sit nice and low because the battery pack is sculpted out for the seats. I, I honestly, you know, it does what a five series needs to do. I'm sure other, I haven't read any other reviews, but I'm sure they're saying the same thing. It's just so competent. 
It's a five series. It had to be good. It is good. It doesn't let anyone down. It doesn't excite in any particular category, but it's their business class sedan and it does, uh, does the business class thing. Yeah. Very pleased with it. I'm glad, uh, Glad you got to have an interesting trip out there. It seems like BMW is really comprehensive with all of this as well. I mean, not only all the information that they've given you about many different models and all the different aspects, which I appreciate the thought that really reflects the thought that has gone into it. So I commend them for that effort. Thank you for coming onto the podcast today to dive in. Of course, everyone, please check out the review that Kyle did if you want to see him driving around on the windy beautiful roads of lisbon portugal and we will see you back next time on the out of spec podcast please feel free to reach out if you have any topics you'd like us to cover otherwise have a great day bye y'all Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.